welcome to Worthington Stories, your very own hometown, hyper-local to Worthington, Ohio podcast. I'm Cynthia Bent Finley. I'm a journalist and resident bringing you to some deep dives into stories about who we are, where we've been, and this one takes us far, far away from Worthington. This was actually brought to me by Nikki Roby, an artist I met working on my third episode about art and artists. She told me about a trip a group of Worthingtonians were about to make to Sayama, Japan, our sister city. She said it would make a good episode, and she was right. I'd heard here and there that we have a sister city, but I never really investigated that, even though I was intrigued about what that exactly meant. So Nikki helped me round up a few folks connected with the Worthington International Friendship Association. She's on the board there of what we call WIFA for short. WIFA is the group that manages that sister city relationship. So is Ann Brown, the city of Worthington's communications director. So Nikki and Ann and I got together with two travelers from the trip that was made in November. Those two travelers are Ty Neisthaus and Anton Teufel. And we sat down to talk a few weeks after they got back, got over their jet lag, and we had a chat about Sayama, Japan. And started us off so we could understand exactly what we mean when we say sister city. Hi, my name is Ann Brown. I'm the communications director for the city of Worthington. And also I um, do kind of oversee the sister city relationship in conjunction with the Worthington International Friendship Association. The Worthington International Friendship Association. Yes. So how did this all happen? How did, you know, have we always had, uh, we call it WIFA, right? WIFA, yes. WIFA for short. So there's this whole story, and it was back in a time when um, Worthington's uh, City Hall was under Folks of a certain age may remember that Honda built its first plant in the United States in Marysville in 1982, just a tick to our west. Sayama, Japan, has been the site of a Honda plant since 1964. The story goes that in the early 1990s, folks from Sayama were actually looking around to form relationships with central Ohio cities because of that Honda connection, and they invited Worthington to explore that friendship. A visit to Worthington was set up, tea was had, and the rest was history. They had tea in the fire bay, and... and we just must have charmed the heck out of them with that experience <laughs> because just a short time later, they sent a letter to the city of Worthington officially asking us to become their friendship city. That kind of paved the way to having these exchanges and um, you know having so many people from the community be involved. And so we started out as a friendship city officially beginning in 1993, and then in 1999 is when we became sister cities, which is just a little bit of a, a deeper partnership than a friendship city relationship. Who, who says that, that it's like, who determines what's a sister city, what's a friendship, to, how does that work? Well, there is a sister city international group that has some criteria that you have to meet in order to be declared sister cities, and, and city officials from each community, they met and they signed this whole agreement that they would pursue these certain um, you know, things to make connections throughout our community, not just with citizens, but with city officials and young people and businesses. Um, so it, it kind of just leads down a path to a little bit of a, a greater understanding and a greater partnership. Sister Cities International was formally founded as a U.S. nonprofit by Dwight Eisenhower in 1956. Although the oldest official sister city relationship was struck between another city in Ohio, Toledo, and Toledo, Spain in 1931. The sister city movement 
gathered up steam after World War II. In 2018, Sayama's mayor visited Worthington, and then Sayama hosted the last exchange in 2019. At that time, the mayor of Worthington and a small delegation made a visit there in recognition of the 20-year signing of the relationship. There were more visits planned for 2020, but dun-dun-dun, we all know what happened that year. COVID canceled everything. This trip was the first in-person exchange possible since that time. When two cities agree to become sister cities, the two local governments actually sign agreements and begin working together to start all kinds of exchanges. When Worthington started down this road, WIFA was founded to help organize that effort. WIFA has an all-volunteer board, along with a few city councilors and one staffer who, right now, that's Anne. Nikki Roby, the aforementioned artist, has served on the board since 2016. She first got involved by hosting a Japanese delegate, and that sucked her right in. I got interested in um, going to Japan myself. I've always been interested in Japan and the language and so on. And so in 2016, um, I um, got the opportunity to go with a delegation from Worthington. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. So WIFA, you've been involved with WIFA um, on a deeper basis than than traveling back and forth to Japan and, and being involved with Sayama. I take it WIFA does a lot more than... Yes, WIFA does uh, several other things. Uh, really, the mission of WIFA is to make connections between the people of Worthington and people from other countries. Um, so we also, uh, usually in January February, we have an international dinner where we focus on a certain country. Um, it has been Japan, but we also have had other countries like um, uh, Peru, Turkey. Um, we usually have a dinner with uh, featuring food of that country, and also um, we have a, a presentation and uh, entertainment from that country, and we invite um, our members to that. It's always really interesting. We also have, um, we used to have a picnic, an international picnic in the summer. Uh, we haven't done that for a while due to COVID, but may, may in the future do that again. Um, and then when also when um, uh, people from other countries happen to uh, visit uh, Worthington, we are there to, you know, maybe... Um, mm -hmm. um, Welcome them. Maybe help out with, I don't know, exchange students, things like that? Do we have shared some information with our membership about those opportunities. So we'll have some outreach from like American Field Service, AFS, or some other organizations that do mm -hmm. bring students over. And we can we share that information and opportunity with our members. So um, basically just letting people know uh, what's out there and... Um, I also want to add, as far as our programs go, we have a great partnership with the library and present several programs a year um, in conjunction with the libraries on different current topics or um, just more about different cultures and Tra countries. So, travel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so um, the, I would say our programs, our, our, our dinner, picnic, slash uh, celebrations, and then the exchanges are the three major areas that we focus on. Are there a lot of folks who are members of WIFA who are not American-born? Are there, do we have a lot of, you know, foreign-born folks here who live in Worthington? Do we know that? that well, I am. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, we have some... Um, you were born in Belgium, Belgium right? Belgium. Right? Yes. Okay. 
And then we have another member on the, on the board who's uh, Japanese, mm-hmm. uh, born in Japan, mm-hmm. uh, has lived in Worthington for many years. Um, I don't know about the membership. Yeah, um, I mean, Worthington itself, the especially the school district, the greater Worthington area is very diverse. Mm-hmm. There are, uh, and I don't have the statistics in front of me, but, you know, dozens of languages spoken throughout the, the school district. And, um, you know, Worthington is a little... Worthington proper is a little less diverse than, you know, our greater community, but we certainly do feed in to that and offer services and membership. People can be members um, in WIFA, you know, and not be a resident of Worthington. Mm-hmm. Wait, oh, you mean be from the Columbus area, right, surrounding Worthington? Is that mm-hmm. what you're talking about? Maybe live, like, in, within the school district right. or close? Right, exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, we consider our kind of, even though we are a city um, organization, we do consider the school dris- district as kind of our larger community. Anne says that WIFA currently has some 130 members, many with diverse backgrounds. WIFA is actually looked at as a model successful program by other communities looking to form similar programs. Successful, she says, means the hundreds of lives on this side of the Pacific and the other who formed connections through these visits back and forth. There have been sports teams going in each direction, a high school choir, retired folks, city officials, all gaining perspectives on how each other live. Uh, the young people in the two cities. So there's just been so much that has, I think, enriched people's lives, and that's what makes it successful. Um, yeah, and on a personal note, I, I, one of the first host, uh, students I had with this program was Daisuke, and he was about 17, 18 when he first came, and he came the next year. Uh-huh. and stayed with us again, and then he came the year after and stayed with us again. And then when I went to Japan, I actually stayed with his family, and uh, it was just so nice to have that connection and then and see how what his family was like uh, over there. And uh, by that time, he was, like, already, you know, working. And But it was, you know, I, I, I feel like he's almost my Japanese son or something because <laughs> oh, I great. see him sort of grow up. And, and we, still, we still are in touch every now and then. We'll, like back and forth or something. Oh, that'd be wonderful. And then my sons, my, my children also uh, know him very well because he came several times and we went on vacation with him. We took him to Niagara Falls and so on. So my 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 sons are also very uh, close to him. Um, that's so great. That's an example of that personal connection. And I know there's there are many others like that. There are that. others? Yeah. He's not, not the only one? Yeah. So we've got a couple of folks sitting right here who... Got to make those connections. Can you guys introduce yourselves? You guys get to just come back from, from Sayama, right? Yeah, so I'm, I'm Ty Misthouse and live in Worthington. And yeah, I, was a, I enjoyed the trip to, to Japan. Yeah, hi, my name is Anton Teufel. I also was, uh, I was raised in Worthington as well. And this was my first time not only visiting Japan, but also the first time that I was in Asia. Did you guys, have you guys traveled a lot? Have you guys always had an interest in traveling and making international connections? Yeah, I was very fortunate growing up that I was able to travel quite a bit, but um, mostly in Europe, because that's where uh, my family is from, and mm-hmm. and then um, some places in South America and the Caribbean, but never as far as Asia. So this was the first time for me that getting on getting on a 14-hour flight Oof. across the world. Um, but I did also, I guess the furthest that I've theoretically lived was in Maui, Hawaii, where I had the pleasure of being a resort manager for three years there. So how did you how did you hear about the program? I heard, I heard about it actually a long time ago through uh, my middle school teacher who um, was a part of the program, but a lot later than 
Uh, my mom actually got involved in the program, so mm-hmm. she was someone who really explained to me and told me a lot more about it than I had ever really paid attention to. Ty, how, how did you get involved? I got involved, I, I wanted to be more involved with the city, so I went mm-hmm. to the website and I saw the WIFA and went through it and uh-huh. applied and wanted to learn more about the um, the organization. And then, of course, COVID hit, mm-hmm. and then that stopped everything until wow. this last year. Yeah, we actually had three years of a pause with exchanges, so this was the first group to go yeah, since uh, the end of COVID. Pretty not the end of COVID, but... <laughs> yeah, so do groups, it sounds like groups used to go back and forth a lot more often. Yeah, in the earliest days, sometimes we'd have three, maybe four exchanges back and forth, especially when we were doing youth sports, because mm-hmm. they would we would have, you know, send a baseball team maybe even welcome a baseball team the same year and then have citizens delegations going back and forth too. In 2008, when there was a financial crisis that actually that impacted both cities, we made a decision to cut back on the number of exchanges just financially. It wasn't feasible. Because you guys so. help uh, or entirely pay for people to go over there, um, so, right? Or? For a citizens delegation, we subsidize a portion of it. Mm-hmm. So this year it paid about half, I think, of the, the airfare. Um, but then once you're over there, you stay with host families. And besides maybe buying some gifts, there's really not another expense except for personal. Yeah. yeah. So now the the for the sports teams, I think there was a smaller subsidy for for the students, but they would do fundraising and mm. and you know try to generate the money you know for the most part on their own. It's a lot of car washes. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> now much. when city officials go, um, the city does pay for their airfare for the officials that go. But um, there's so there's different levels depending on the type of exchange it is. So anyway, I'm sorry, Ty, I kind of cut away from you. Did you, have you traveled a lot before? I traveled. I traveled through South America. Our family owns properties in South America, so I go to Ecuador and so uh-huh. forth. Uh, in Asia, I've been to Cambodia for about oh, a month. Were uh, you? Yeah, for a wedding, then toured the country. Um, and then That's a heck of a wedding. <laughs> yeah, the wedding was like three or four days. Wow. And then Ty says he applied for the trip, having seen it online. But like it did almost everything else, COVID brought that 2020 uh-huh. trip to a halt. Times a year, I think, when we ran into each other. Yes, when we um, when it was the COVID pause, we the relationship did still continue actually quite robustly because we produced these um, online video exchanges and had um, live programs over Zoom where we'd share different topics. So we had an art exchange, we had a like a holiday customs exchange, and we'd have a a live meeting with both people from both cities at, on at the same time, and then we'd share our videos and so. Um, you know, it was a great way to keep in touch. Oh, that's COVID, can so. you can see those now? Yeah, can't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're the... posted on the Worthington's uh, website. It's worthington.org/wifa, W-I-F-A, and you'll be able to see those under our events tab. That's so fun. Did they handle COVID a little bit differently over there? I think didn't they? Did you guys find that like interesting at all? Did you guys talk about how you know what's what's going on with you in America? What's going on with you in Japan? We did talk a lot about it, um, yeah. both kind of on a official um, basis. You know, like what what our plans were going to be, and also very unofficially because we have so many friends over there just mm-hmm. who've developed over the years that we'd stay in touch and see how everybody was doing and. Um, their restrictions did last quite a bit longer, mm-hmm. but for the most part, you know, they were still under 
stay-at-home orders and mask orders. So really, we had a lot of similarities at the same time. It must have made an interesting and kind of, I don't know, almost comforting connection to know, you know, we're not the only ones here stuck in our houses mm-hmm. that all around the world and <laughs> people experiencing that. Exactly. So... So we were so happy when we could finally get a group going. We yeah. had hoped it was going to happen last year, and the delegates, most of them had applied last year um, when we thought we were going to send a group, and then we had to hit pause again because Japan just wasn't accepting um, tourists at that point. And mm. so this year, fortunately, we were able to you know, get it off the ground and successfully have another delegation visit. So what was the trip like? Tell us what you guys experienced. It's a, it's a big loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> the long, trip was great. It was a That's long it. flight, right? Yeah, it, was, it was a long flight, but uh, yeah. when we get there, they they greet you, and, mm-hmm. and they really they really showed their warmth and care. They really had helped us navigate through the um, the airport and, and getting into our to the hotel, really. Yeah, I, I think it's also important maybe not to gloss over how long that flight was and how many people <laughs> yeah. watch on there but I think a big thing that that I was fathoming as we were flying over there was not only looking at the trajectory in which this plane flies across the world to, to get over there but I think that the, for me that was the longest I know that you've been to Asia before for me that was my longest flight and I think after like the eighth or ninth hour do yeah. you really start to fathom just how far you are <laughs> going from home uh, so that, yes, when you land, so very grateful that they were there to welcome us and pick us up right there at the airport because immediately you're no longer seeing anything in English. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you, I mean, of course, it's an airport that you have a general sense of how to navigate through and where to pick up your luggage. But um, once when you we were in their hands, that's where I really did feel like a very comfortable safety net that they were there to take our bags to help us get to the hotel to make sure that we were checked in okay take us out to dinner um me personally I don't know how I felt is we were very exhausted after this flight and then we come and we go have dinner with them so we're all very tired and (laughs) we're just trying to figure out what the time zone changes at that point so I think a lot of us uh definitely had some jet lag troubles when we had gotten there Yeah, tired so much energy. (laughs) How how much time difference is it? Like, when did you get there, and what time was it at home when you got there? Fourteen hour time difference. Wow. So they're ahead fourteen hours. So today it's like tomorrow morning at you know five a.m. or whatever. Oof. So oof is right. Six a.m. Six a.m. Six a.m. I remember that exactly. That you know, when you get there, you're like, whoa, you know, there's there's really nobody. Nothing that looks like what you're used to, mm-hmm. and nobody looks like you, and you're, you know, all of a sudden there's this group, and they're like, oh, you know, they're so happy that you're oh, there, yeah, and they absolutely. take they take you sort of under their wing, and they keep you under their wing for, you know, the six days you're there. I mean, they were so, I mean, we're just always kind of together, <laughs> and they kept us safe, and then when you meet your host family, it's a whole other different experience, also a great experience to... You know, you go to somebody's home and and you even, you know, my host family spoke very little English, but it was it was uh, such an enriching thing to be able to communicate in some other way than mm-hmm. through language. And um, so, yeah, nothing's yeah. familiar except the Coca-Cola and the machines and the <laughs> and the different mascots throughout. <laughs> Did your host family speak English? My 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 host family spoke a bit broken. They travel a lot. So they lived mm-hmm. in they traveled through Europe and. 
and I don't think they've been to the U.S., but they've been around the world, and so they basically spoke English. Yeah, so, so that right, that would be. And they were the interpreter, so the official interpreter for the, for the visit. Oh. So. Yeah, my family, they spoke English fluently, and they would joke, they would always say, like, oh, my English is so bad, but <laughs> they were so good as opposed to what I tried to learn for, as far as Japanese before I went to visit them. And um, I know I'm kind of skipping ahead a little bit, but they we had a day with them where they sort of take us around, and we have, like, a free day, and we do something with them that... Um, they want to show us or maybe something we asked to do with them. My family took me to a sake distillery. Ooh. Um, but when we were going through this tour of the distillery, the gentleman who actually ran the distillery didn't speak English. And so he would always explain something. My, my, my host father would explain things to me back of what he was explaining. And he, as my host father was explaining everything, I was always like, those are some really intricate words that you know as far as like how <laughs> to explain what the distilling process is and all this. And when we were finally at the end of this whole um, tour is the gentleman's like, oh, that's right. We have this like paper pamphlet that actually is in English and all these things. And they looked at it, all the steps that he had explained along the way. And I was like, man, my host father nailed it. That's <laughs> awesome. So he really, they, they always kept saying they weren't good at English, but they were just amazing. It kind of makes you feel small when yes. you, you know, struggle with my high school Spanish, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I found that they really want to try out their English on you. So they're yeah. very, you know, humble about their abilities, but yet they want to really try to to practice it out and have a real conversation and um did you find that too nikki no you speak a bunch of languages so right <laughs> but very little japanese <laughs> <laughs> they enjoyed whenever we tried speaking in japanese yeah they, they really did enjoy it. and they they helped they helped me of course i forgot already did you break out the duolingo before you guys left i i did <laughs> yeah google translate <laughs> pull it out all right <laughs> So one solid week there. How's your Japanese? <laughs> I, was, I had the pleasure of staying a little bit longer, so two weeks. But <laughs> Jap- no, I I more primary Spanish. <laughs> it, I don't know. It, I think it's a little bit more difficult than I, than you think it is. You know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was. I enjoyed it. I mean, I just got by with certain words. Yeah. Whenever I traveled by myself, so first five days was official visit. The next five days, I just boarded a train and just went. Oh, you so, did? Yeah. So I heard that, uh, in general, the Japanese are very welcoming to mm. visitors. Is that is that what you guys found, oh, even yeah. the ones that you hadn't met before that weren't part of the program? Yeah, the, the five days I was by myself, every hotel, every restaurant, everyone just went out of the way, like, oh, let me help you here, come here, you know, let me help translate the uh, on the menu, and so it was, it was, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I don't want to just make a blanket statement and say that the whole culture is so uniform, but it really was that they were all very welcoming, and generally anyone that you ran into wouldn't would would give you at least the time of day to maybe realize that you were someone that wasn't from their country and would help you out if you needed some help. And it always surprised me how many people could speak English. Yeah, quite a few. A lot of places they spoke English. Yeah. So what did you get to do on your, what would you see on your wanderings and on, you I, know, what the families show you? And the, the first night, or the first time we had the, the family gathering just for ourselves, we went to, um, what did we do? We oh, they took me game. to, uh, 
Yeah, I went to a soccer game, a league game out there. Mm-hmm. Enjoyed that. Um, we went, we took the train a lot on the train. Yeah, but, that's something they have that we know they have trains. Oh, it makes it so much easier. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's not as, it, it looks intimidating when you look at a map, but no, once you, I think two days mm-hmm. of going in, it, in and out, it, you start to realize where everything's at and lines, the colors, mm-hmm. how to get in and out of terminals. They're very, they're very timely culture. They will not miss out. <laughs> they're very, they're they're very precise. They're very on time. If the mm-hmm. train says it's arriving at two forty two, it's arriving at two forty two. If it <laughs> says that the train is leaving at two fifty seven, it's leaving at two fifty seven. I learned that almost somewhat the hard way when we were running through trains to get from we had a seven minute gap, exactly seven minutes, and it felt like some Mission Impossible scene <laughs> that you're running out and th- running through the terminal and everything just to get to the next train. But I, I also found that it was really helpful to have on your phone just maps. If you could use that, it, it, I'm speaking specifically to like the metro within mm-hmm. Tokyo, that it would tell you which line to jump on because that was the one that was going to get you there the fastest. Because there were so many ways to maybe get to just one location. Yeah, yeah. I would jump on a train. I was like, this is taking too long to jump out. Found another train, jumped on another line, cut my time in 20 minutes. I was like, oh, okay, beautiful. <laughs> yeah, that's what, what app did you use for that? Oh, it's just Google, in Google, Google Maps. Maps, oh, yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. If you plug in where to go and, and say that you're walking and over that you'll take mm-hmm. these subways, it'll explain this is the fastest way to get there. Mm-hmm. And, right. um, I mean, speaking of speed, too, just the regular metro can pretty much cover the distance of New York City in 15, 20 minutes. Wow. <laughs> and that still includes the 20-some mm-hmm. stops that they have to make. Wow. Yeah. So where is Sayama? What's it like there? Is it, is it more urban, I take it, than Worthington? It's a lot bigger than Worthington. Is it? Yes. How big is how big is Sayama? It's, I think it's about 120,000 maybe. It's actually, there were several villages that joined together to form Sayama. Mm. And next year is their 70th anniversary. So Sayama, even though the Japan and the culture is every is very ancient compared to the United States, you know, Worthington is actually over 220 years old and Sayama is only 70 years old um, next year so but it is very urban it's considered a suburb of Tokyo it's northwest of Tokyo about 45 minutes it has this feel similar to Worthington in some ways just I think in people's general sort of way of life that it still does feel um, maybe suburban it does yeah but yeah, I, I think also that kind of goes into another conversation of just what is their, their homes and, and just in their neighborhoods, how much closer they are, how much more compact maybe the houses are, and that's where it doesn't feel like you're in Worthington anymore. Okay. One thing I've noticed is about, like, a seeming lack of zoning. You know, in Worthington we have our business district, mm. we have our industrial district, we have our residential districts, mm-hmm. and they all have a very different feel from each other. But in Sayama, you can have like a car dealership next to a house next to a tea field, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, it's just all, oh, really? yeah, very mm-hmm. mixed together. And they're, they're known for their tea. It's it's a very prominent uh, tea growing region. And so you'll have these fields interspersed amongst what seems like big city Japan. And now it's not, a, it's not like Tokyo, it's not like really tall buildings or anything like that, but it's definitely... A lot of like different uses all mixed together. Yeah. Also, a very important detail I think was to explain is that all the delegates we all stayed with different families, so right. no two people were in the same house, and so my family that I was staying with would be in what I felt was a representation of like a traditional suburban home, uh, 
area, but then when we got in the car and drove maybe just five minutes around in Siam, then yes, we passed by a tea field, and then suddenly it doesn't feel so. So was it single-family detached homes, or was it more like apartment or condo living or multifamily units? Where, where do people live? So with mine, I think with everybody's, there was all in, individual houses, but kind of like a duplex, I felt like. It was where multi-use or multifamily, generational family homes. So you oh. have... Uh, one side would be for the grandparents and the other side would be for the family. Uh, the one I was in, there was um, multi-generational, but I had the top floor, which was the traditional Japanese, you would think, with the, with the mats. Huh. I think it was like 12 mats. Tatami, Tatami mats. mats. Yeah, so they had 12 of them, mm-hmm. and we'd, I'd move the little chair over and roll out my bed, and that's why I slept. Oh, wow. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I, that's probably one of the best sleeps I've had. Was it really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. It was yeah. good. I enjoyed I, it. I love the food dance. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah. I almost want to do that in my house. <laughs> <laughs> one thing is that if you go to a host family, and I had the feeling that I was sleeping in somebody's bedroom when I was there. I mean, it's not like here where we have ex- they have extra rooms, like a guest room or something like that. I think um, definitely my host family sort of doubled up. Uh, upstairs, and oh, wow. uh, I, I got to sleep downstairs. That's very generous. Yes, they're very generous, you know, also with, you know, their food in the morning, and, you know, they make this huge breakfast for mm-hmm. you before you go, and they take you everywhere you need to be with the group. And some of the host families actually participate in some of the outings, if they can, if they're not working. Yeah. But they, they all they make sure you're comfortable, that you're happy, yeah. that you're well-fed, that you don't get lost. <laughs> you know, there's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a really nice uh, experience. Incredibly generous of them. It was, it's just above and beyond kind what they did for us. And just, I mean, going back to just how welcoming they were is that they did so much for us that I, I'm very excited for when they come back here. <laughs> Did we, your families, yeah. were they families with kids? Or what, what, what were your host families like? My host family did not have any kids. Mm-hmm. So it was just them two. Um, mm-hmm. Retired. Mm-hmm. And they, so they had a lot, of, a lot of free time. We Every morning we would get up. Uh, they would pre- present me with a tea. Mm. So I'd have tea. And then once tea is over, then we would sit down for breakfast. And, and their routine is hit the gym. After breakfast, they go to the gym. Then we'll, we did the bathhouse. I did mm-hmm. a bathhouse with everybody. Uh, that was fun. And then, and then they volunteer. So they volunteered to schools. Oh, that's great. My family had three kids, but two of the, it's two sons and one daughter. The two uh, sons actually live in Tokyo and one a little bit further north, and the daughter lived with them, and she was around my age. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Was she schooling, working? She was working. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also spoke English phenomenally. <laughs> <laughs> Which was great. It was it was it was good to actually talk to her just sort of about I think um, just growing up in Japan and understanding the differences and what it was like because um, she very much had a lot of questions to ask about what was Worthington like yeah. growing up there and so. So do they do the host families plan on coming over? Is that how it often works or? It's it's never kind of an expectation, but I think once they have that experience and they might you know if they make a connection with their guest they. Mm-hmm establish a friendship, stay in touch, and say, okay, I'll come, you know, the next time if they're, you know, selected to be a part of the delegation, and, mm-hmm. and often will stay in the, 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 the home of the person who stayed with them. So it is, it, it does kind of keep that relationship going often. What other kinds of things did you all get to see in Sayama and beyond? 
So yeah, we visit the uh, library, mm-hmm. uh, as well as the uh, fire station. The community, uh, centers. The community centers. That was yeah. very fun to see. They have a really big community center that sits very close to their town hall, and I, I just was very impressed by everything in structural engineering to just how convenient it was for everyone. It really kind of acts as both a hub for general convenience stores, places where people can go to get general services if they had inquiries or what have you that had... I know that sounds strange, but like just like little spaces for people to use Wi-Fi if they needed to work, mm. um, and then just very close to any sort of transportation hub as well. Like mm. I noticed that there were a lot of buses, so I think that was a really fun place to walk through. Mm-hmm. Did you guys go to the schools at all? We did not did go not to the know. schools. When I, when I went, we yeah. went to a middle school and a high school both, and it was very interesting. You know, you get in there, you have to take your shoes off, and there's like little cubby holes with slippers, and so all the kids wear slippers in school, and... You know, also, like, their lunch, they eat in their classrooms. At night, when the school closes, the kids all clean the classrooms. And, <laughs> and we, went, we went to a high school, and it was first, it was, this was long before COVID, but about half of the students there were wearing masks. And, and so we asked, why are they wearing masks? And it was uh, usually somebody who had a cold and who didn't want to get their classmates ill. And so that's that has been already sort of... Uh, a custom there. Mm-hmm. In the in the high school, we uh, there was an English class, and so they all wanted to ask us questions to practice their English. <laughs> <laughs> when I went in my group, there were two high school uh, girls from Worthington who were one was from Thomas Worthington and one was from Kilbourne, and they were both in their choirs in their respective schools. And so we we visited a, a, a class, and they were very interested. And they when they heard about these girls who were their ages, basically, oh. And so we all sang a song. (laughs) 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 I'd love to have that kind of disinhibition. That'd be fun. Yeah, uh, you know, it's 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 easy to be disinhibited over there because people are so interested in your life and what you're doing. So you got to see a tea ceremony. That's something that happens all the time over there, or was it kind of like a? I don't know, like a reenactment kind of it's thing. It's an annual event, I'm yeah. pretty sure. Oh, and yeah. so we were there just at the right time when they do this event, and that is in uh, their giant public park. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't even know. If it was a park, yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty big and nice park. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, How big is it? How big is the park? A lot of acres. I don't. I, I mean, it's not as big as like Central Park. But I, one thing that I was noticing when we were there was that there was a section where you could walk, jog, bike course but then they also had a whole strip of turf which as a former runner I thought oh wow that's really great and that's a really nice community touch that but no at this general park that we had is this large park they had a number of um, different groups as well as classes that did different sort of takes on traditional tea ceremonies it's all around green tea I didn't have any I didn't have any tea that wasn't green tea that's is this a Sayama thing since they're a tea region yes okay it's the Sayama um, kind of tea like, festival. Kind of like Circle Festival. Exactly, exactly. And they have these schools where young people, mostly girls, will go and learn the art of tea ceremony. Ah. So it's got it's very ancient. There's a lot of special movements yeah. and 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 you know supplies that they use that are very traditional. And so there's a series of these schools that kids can go to, and as part of this tea festival they have booths and people can go around and participate in the tea ceremony and they have these tea masters that are kind of leading the way and so um i think you were kind of treated as honored guests right yeah, uh, yeah. some and of then, these ceremonies and there is a proper way 
to before you drink, how to get turned, the cup or bowl. I hope they helped you with that before. Yeah, they show you. My, yeah. my host family came and sat with me, so they explained the protocol of how to accept it, how Excellent. to how to thank yeah. them properly. <laughs> and then, um, so yeah, and, and the individual that uh, set it up, the individual that uh, the like host, the team master, team master, yeah. team master. Yeah. Yeah, I was surprised his level of education, going through and learning everything about those teas, how? and how to present it and. Well, you have to you have to like practice for many years yeah. before you're actually become a, 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 a master. Yeah. So, you so know, you many classes. Of, and stuff. So also, hopefully, paint this picture is in this field. There's a bunch of different tents, and each of the tents is the different groups. And so the one that my family and I went to is actually um, students. Uh, I think they were around middle school age, and so they were very much learning the, the ceremony. But then after their ceremony, it was going to peak at the other tents. And those are definitely the masters who that wasn't just a summer project. They really had everyone's different take on it, the different ways of preparing it and the styles. And you very much saw, especially, I'm thinking of that one, I think that a lot of us, our group sat in, but they had a very big presentation, the whole kettle and everything. And they, clearly that was not just a small, you know, side hobby of theirs. That was very much a big passion project. So it was very fun to see. I think if anybody just Googled Japanese tea ceremony, yeah. they yeah. would uh, be able to, to watch that. Yeah. But there is, it is a process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's really step by step. And then I feel like at the end, you go backwards almost where you put everything back in its spot. Just where it was when you started off. Mm. <laughs> it was good tea, yeah. It was good tea. <laughs> so yeah. what is their daily life like? I heard that in Japan, you go to work in the morning and don't come home until pretty late at night. Is that true? As When I was in uh, Daisuke's family, as I said, by the time I got there, he was working at a bank, and he would leave. I would hardly see him. Mm-hmm. He would leave at oh, 5.30, 6 in the morning because he... Ooh. He had to get to the train station and take a train. He he worked in Kawagoe, which is a, a next the next city over. And then he wouldn't be back until ten thirty wow. at night. Mm-hmm. That's how long they, their work day typically is, especially for a young beginning mm-hmm. um, employee. But in my host family, he, before he retired, he he said he would fly. He said he would take a flight to Osaka almost every other day, and then or and then uh, other individuals take the uh, bullet train to Osaka. So they would, yeah, they would go for five uh, five o'clock in the morning. They would take off to work and then come home by midnight, one maybe. And Good, great. Back again. Yeah, my host family, the mother worked in. I mean, like the far east side of Tokyo, and since Sayama's west of that, it was like a two-hour commute oh. every day, which I thought was wild. But she seemed very fine with it. Wow. And what did she do? Uh, she worked at a furniture store there. I didn't get to, unfortunately, I didn't get to visit it. Are they less mobile than we are? I mean, we would just, like, go move to Osaka. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I don't know. I think, I think they, they just like Sayama. So they were, he, he grew up in central Tokyo. He still wanted to be close to Tokyo. He didn't want to go anywhere uh, far out. But mm-hmm. he ended up visiting Sayama mm-hmm. maybe about 10 years ago and liked the, the slow pace. Well, it's like a suburb, really. Mm-hmm. It is a suburb of Tokyo. But it was easy access to Tokyo. Mm-hmm. So I think it was two train transfer once to get to central Tokyo. And then he's retired. He's retired now. now. But he still stays. He just stays locally in, in Sayama. Yeah. And he, he didn't even go to a soccer game until I was like, let's go to a soccer game. Because I've never been to one. So <laughs> we went together. A lot of things we did, it was his first time experiencing it. Really? You know, yeah. Because he spent so much of his life working. Working, working, working. And then wow. when he retired, he just wanted to 
go to the gym, you know, relax, not be traveling anywhere mm. as much. I think there's us. also kind of a culture of family units, like if the parents, the older parents often live with, you know, mm-hmm. their children as they get older. And so there's kind of that family, I don't want to say obligation, but, you know, the, they might tend to not just say, well, I'm going to go take a job in Tokyo. I'm moving now. You know, they, they mm-hmm. have people there that are just part of their family unit. And it's kind of a cultural thing to maintain that connection throughout. Mm-hmm. And the public transportation is so good and they're so yeah. used to using yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so nobody I know there has a car, but they can easily get on a bus, on a train, mm-hmm. and sometimes ride their bikes to the station. Mm-hmm. And then there are like, I don't know if you guys saw, there are like 500 bikes in front of the train station. Yeah, the multi-level bike racks. Yeah, the commute's a little bit different if it's an hour, but you're sitting doing whatever you want to do in that hour instead of having to drive. That's a different story, You're not usually in a car. You usually can read or you can sleep. It's quiet in the train. Yeah. It's silent in the train. No one's playing music or anything or talking. And then going back to bikes, when I was in Tokyo, no, maybe it was in Kyoto. Yeah, it was Kyoto. There was some kids who just take their bike just leave right there off the side, jump on the train. Yep. It's like, wow, you're not locking it up. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to explain to people, or just generally people have a good way of fathoming, but you know, when we say that there's like a two-hour commute, mm-hmm. I think everyone has a very different perception based on maybe where they're from. You yeah. Probably if you're in New York, you think you've only traveled maybe a couple miles, but in Japan you're probably going hundreds of miles. I'm sorry, kilometers because they don't, oh, wow. use, they don't yeah. use that system. <laughs> yeah, I think I think to when I took the bullet train to Kyoto's not even two hours oh. I think, to get there. A bullet and train goes two hundred miles. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Saying, no, but the drive you know, train, taking the train was like you can work in six Chicago. hours, eight hours or something. Right. Come home every night. Mm-hmm. Wow. But it's not I don't think it's it's as bad as you think it is. No. So I that's why I think a lot of times those guys are, are traveling mm-hmm. you know, to one hour, two hours. They can do more work that way. Mm-hmm. As well. And when do they retire? When are they like, okay, I've had it? No, they work a long time. <laughs> <laughs> there were some guys I saw, individuals saw, they retired when they were 86. What? My, yeah. My individual retired, my host family retired when he was 64, maybe 65, he said. Uh-huh. My family's younger, they're still working. Yeah. I don't yeah. know when they intend on retiring, but they seem so happy with their jobs. They do? <laughs> yeah, they. I mean, they don't seem to, I mean, one of them is an architect, the other one... The mother, she worked at a furniture store, and then the daughter worked at a convenience store. And each of them just, they loved work. They didn't sound like they were, you know, bummed to go back to work or that it was, or that it was, you know, anything of, anything short of a bad day because they had to take a two-hour commute. They seemed like they were very happy with it. Huh. Generally speaking, I mean, they're also very, very kind, so they could have been lying to me. They have so much patience. Uh, The patience on the road, getting on a train, I think everywhere, just... They just laid back and just go with the flow. Yeah. I don't know. The laid back, but they are very on time. That is yeah. amazing. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. But they're, they're more relaxed when you're walking by. You, right. They're not really like in a rush. They're a very polite society. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. of course. I could talk to you about Japan for many, many hours. I <laughs> One thing that I really loved and took away the most that I really enjoyed was not just seeing Sayama, seeing also Tokyo, seeing other places um, around the area, like Hakone, which you can go from this really big neon dynasty of a lot of colors and sounds in Tokyo and then kind of find a place that's a completely tranquil, such as places like Hakone or Sayama, mm-hmm. where you would see just those differences. But I've also loved the... I really 
I really appreciated just the attention to detail you saw everywhere you went in Japan. Mm-hmm. I think that was one of my biggest takeaways that it blew my mind. And uh, my background's in hospitality, so you really see that hospitality is something that they're very, very attuned to, and it really bleeds in throughout the whole culture. Mm-hmm. I think the best part for me was seeing all those little kids with the color coordinated hats. Oh, <laughs> <different> <laughs> classes. Yeah, like, a lot of kids with yellow and then a green and a red. It was funny. Just that was what, that was Kawagoe when we were in <laughs> the yeah. town. There was yeah. clearly like a, a school trip mm-hmm. and the whole class not only had the matching colored shirts, the matching colored hats. And you, <laughs> it was just so funny to see these little armies of yellow and pink and red and blue. <laughs> like candies. Like, I don't know what they were. Was it bread or something? Big candies with the... Yeah, I... Oof, I don't know what it's it like was. Tall I, Zen. I should have gotten one. <laughs> what do you guys eat? I eat pretty much everything. I, I yeah, I eat everything that they put in front of me. I tried new stuff. I. <laughs> I mean, what's their you know what? Um, Talk about they, the breakfast. Yeah, is breakfast a big thing for everybody, or is that just something they did for you? Uh, breakfast uh, at the hotel the first night was the. Uh, what was it? It was, they, those, it was that little buffet that they had. So it had, it, had, it clearly understood an American audience. It had like Vienna <laughs> sausages and then you'd have like pork shumai. And you'd be like, oh boy. I, and we didn't know how to, no, nobody could find where to just get general water. We got milk water. That was what? Well, well, the water, you just, there were, what? There was a machine with like machine, 14 yeah. options and nobody uh, knew which one was actually oh, water. I see. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, that was fun. Um, a lot of vending machines. I so vending okay. machines. Hmm. Vending machines with strange things in it. Like yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, he got hooked on bread and what was it? Yeah. Boss can't cost Yeah, cafe away. What's that? Oh. <laughs> I I knew that because I had served a Japanese clientele at a hotel a long time ago, and they brought this cafe away in a can, mm-hmm. and and you can't get it in America, or at least I haven't been able to find it yet. But I got hooked on that. I don't usually <laughs> drink coffee. Even, even my uh, host family was like, right, we gotta find, and there's someone over here. Let me go ahead and buy some for him. <laughs> brought it to me at the station. The Is next it like Nescafe so or something? What? I don't know. I don't it's know. it's it's beautiful. <laughs> Everyone needs it. My, okay, my favorite thing that I ate in Japan, well, I thought it was just uniquely different. It's called natto. It is a yeah, yeah, you know. It's, yeah, know. it's it's this sticky fermented um, soybean that I understand. It's very off-putting to look at, being that it's it's mm. just very gummy, and when you pull it apart, it looks like it's been in this very off-putting slimy. Soy- yeah, this slimy um, web. It it smells it's a little great. strange because it's it's fermented, so it smells a little bit like alcohol. But um, I really enjoyed it. It's it's really just a salty treat, and it's mm. apparently very very healthy for you. And then. Right. Is it a snack or is it a side no, dish? What is it? <laughs> breakfast, actually. Yeah, people yeah. would eat it as breakfast, but my family served it as dinner. Oh, um, really? Oh. I mean, it's. I guess it's one of those things that yeah. a lot of people like it or they don't like it. So, yeah. do, do they have yeah. rice with? Yes. Every you meal, gonna, like is, yeah. oh yeah. yes, with every meal. Yeah, I had rice with every meal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the thing I like about the breakfast is that it's not the typical. It's not like eggs and bacon. You know, mm-hmm. it's it includes. Fish and includes vegetables, uh, miso soup, which was always my favorite way to start the day, and um, and rice, and um, it's just totally different than what you'd see on the buffet at you know Denny's or something. Yeah, well, I found yeah. out that bagels aren't commonly served or, or purchased in Japan. So when I found that out that my family really liked bagels, I brought them bagels from oh, home. Oh, that's great! <laughs> nice. Oh, yeah. yeah, we had we had soups at at the house. Mm-hmm. for breakfast mm-hmm. so we had tea and then uh, first and then, then 
it's a couple of soups, maybe a couple, maybe one day a sandwich, maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When I was in Cambodia, I used to eat the, what is it, the spiked tarantulas and other <laughs> stuff, bee larva. Oh, of course, and delicacy. <laughs> so when I went to Japan, I was looking for something like it, but that was not. I don't know if had was like eel or something, yeah. which wasn't that bad. Um, I think but, also, I would say, I think that our, the Sayama group, it's very kind to maybe keep us away from some of the deep end of food. <laughs> really? I think so. I think they kind of made sure that ever, there was something for everyone and that yeah. they didn't just drop us in a zone where they said, try this. <laughs> Everyone's like, what is that? Even when I traveled by myself, it was, I think, uh, it was like ramen uh-huh. was big and a lot of meat, meat options. Oh, yeah. Hamburg, that was a Japanese version of... Uh, oh, the Japanese hamburger. Hamburger, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That was good. And then... Is there a lot of fish? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. oh yeah. Mm-hmm. They have whole fish markets. Yeah, fish and, markets. Uh, and sometimes in the basement of department stores, they have these big counters full of fish, meat, also mm-hmm. pastries. But it's in the in the basement of like Macy's. Really? Yeah. <laughs> fish and, was good. I'm surprised how many restaurants are there. Yeah. Like many. how many? Every block is what three or four, or five sometimes. Oh Just wow. restaurant, restaurant, Did restaurant. Do people go out a lot or? Kitchens are tiny. There's no, there was like no stove. It's just the, the grill, grill? grill yeah. That, you mean all, in the house? In the houses, or, yeah. Oh wow. My um, family, I think, cooked generally all at home. I, I think oh. it was they just for special occasion because I was there. They took me out to a few places huh. to to try some food, which was. But I was just surprised how many restaurants are out, especially in Tokyo. A lot Did of them you? have the um like fake food in the window oh, yeah. so that it oh, shows yeah. you what the dish will look like but yeah. it's like a plastic, a plastic bowl yeah. of you know <laughs> pasta or whatever the I guess dishes, it kind of or depends. even the fish or whatever I mean it's Ty, just, you're the most right, if you had a single family home there with a family then and kids I would imagine it, well but then if they're you're at work until 10 also that's when are you gonna cook right mm-hmm. I mean just like you know everybody's different here and has different family mm-hmm. yeah. lifestyles yeah. Yeah. and things that they do I mean it's, yeah. they don't have yards like we do yeah yeah <laughs> So maybe you'll be lucky to see one little patch or something. Mm-hmm. So do they spend a lot of time outside that you experienced? Is it is it mixed for, of for my, here? For my whole family, they've, they've been out. They, they go out a lot. Mm-hmm. Every day they're out. Yeah, I think my family generally was, was out and about doing something. They seemed very active that they would go for walks. Um, I mm-hmm. think, of course, I think the schedule of... They changed the schedule a little right. bit for myself, mm-hmm. but right. I, I got the sense that they weren't going to necessarily be indoor people until the sunset. Uh, <laughs> did you feel the same way where... Uh, I think my yeah I think my my family took me to places but I think if I wasn't there they would spend more time at home they took me on a weekend trip didn't have to mow the lawn <laughs> no no just no none of that, that. <laughs> more gardens a lot less wildlife there in Japan. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's why when they come here they're so impressed. With yeah, do squirrels, squirrels and deer freak and them out? <laughs> yeah, they get very excited about Rec- squirrels yes. actually when they're here because oh, yeah. they don't have They don't even have small lots of small animals. They oh. only saw I only saw maybe two pigeons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. No, especially in the more urban area, but you know. They yeah. said you have to be careful of certain times when you bring out trash because I guess crows. That's yeah, a strange right. thing because I I stayed also after my visit and we I have a friend in Osaka and so I went to see her and we went and walked a lot and hiked a lot and went to temples in the woods and the woods are beautiful they're very very old trees huge trees 
But it's true, you don't see a whole lot of wildlife. But squirrels? Mm-hmm. Well, so here in Worthington, deer on the rise. And before yeah, I went yeah. to Japan, there was a big buck that was in our backyard. Yeah. And we got a full picture of it because it doesn't move when you get close to it. And so I showed my family this picture, and they were like, oh, is this like a zoo? And they were like, no, this is my backyard. There, isn't it? Now, there is a place in Japan, Nara. Yeah, with where the, they have the, the deer. deer running around, and they, they're everywhere. <laughs> they go inside the stores, and really? I guess it's a bad luck to chase them out because yeah. people just <laughs> let them do whatever they want. I know we talked a lot about positives, but I wanted to ask you, Ty, is there anything that you, I guess, that you were very excited to come home to in America, or there was anything that maybe you just didn't enjoy as much? Nah, I wanted to go back when I got back. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? I, well, I was, okay, so I would also say there was sort of a different perspective that I had just being that I seemed like I was the one who knew all the different mascots from the animes and video games, mm-hmm. so all this merchandising that exists on Japanese everything, from, uh-huh. from their food and on the, all their products, everything's got a mascot or something to it, so I thought that was really cute and that was really fun, um, and I, I missed that when I, when I came, I came to America. I was like, ah, oh, it's not as fun. Our chips don't look as, as exciting. But um, Oh, we've got, the, we've got tigers. And- sure, but it, yeah, sure. It's, I don't know. It just felt so different. I, I, I don't know. It wasn't anything in, it wasn't anything that it was like, I think it just felt so lackluster to me when I was in Japan. I really enjoyed everything. I yeah, really appreciated I everything. But at the point where you were talking about the mascots and so forth, it's, I feel like, Every store, every town, every section, every holiday had a mascot, right? Yeah. <laughs> it was like a, everything. A very everything. cute character associated yeah. to it. Little animals usually. Yeah. Even and like the, the car, like auto dealership have like a little cute like frog or something. You're like. Yeah. Yeah. Is, that, is that just a Japanese thing or does that go I, I think on it's around just to Europe? Keep people and... at, at, to keep them calm, relaxed and, you know, something fun to see and. Huh. Uh, it's kind of like the train stations where you hear the the bells. It's mimicking a uh, bird, the way it chirps on the oh, bell. So when the train is coming, it does oh, do, 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 like something like that. <laughs> it's supposed to be a bird. You don't really hear of, of an older crowd in America that are watching anime regularly at night, but they are. Are they really? <laughs> yeah, that's one thing that I learned that I thought was very fun. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> so that's I was gonna ask: Is there a lot of TV watching? A lot of video game playing? I don't think my family had a TV. Really? They had a TV in the morning. For a country that just comes off as very tranquil and very, (laughs) I don't know, gentle and easygoing, laid back, a little bit like what Ty was saying, Mm -hmm. when you're watching the TV, it seems very hectic because it's something that's going Mm -hmm. on the screen. There's... Yeah. There's there's tons of colors, words yeah. going everywhere. There's someone reacting in the corner, and they yes. kind of broke it down and explained to me what all these things are. And I was like, you just ex- you just absorb all that information through <laughs> osmosis. And they're like, yeah, we just over time, it's it. That's so normal. I just watched at nights. I was watching the uh, sumo wrestling. Oh. Yeah, I watched so much of too. Yeah. I was surprised how really they go at it. <laughs> you mean the contact sport? Yeah, they like really, to win. Really go at, you know, it's like they do headbutt at first. You know, like, wow. Not to go into anything like too deep or drastic, but you definitely saw, especially like in Japanese news, how it doesn't feel as involved in, as involved with everything that's going on around the world. Yeah, I mean, oh, with yeah? all things that are happening over in Israel, Gaza, it was a very short segment that you saw, and I think it also makes you just remember how involved America is in everything that. 
when a lot of these things happened, it was showing, well, what is America's opinion on it? And I thought that was very interesting they did. to see it from Japan. Well, I didn't understand everything word for word, but I could clearly see that it's showing these events, and now it's showing President Biden and, and a U.S. reaction. And it, what didn't really seem like, from my perspective of the news, that it was saying, well, how does Japan feel about this, or what does Japan, you know, perceive from what's going on? That's what I thought was really interesting from some of their news that I was watching. Did you watch any news? Did you guys watch any news while you were there? Uh, actually, when my when I was with my staying with my friend, she had the TV on all the time. Oh yeah. Yeah, and uh, it was just a, a continuous like there were like little little like soap operas, and then there were like game shows, and then there was a little bit of news, and then there was more game shows, and and like you said, there was always in the corner there were always people reacting mm-hmm. like spokespeople yeah, and sometimes and, you wouldn't know if you're watching a commercial or like right. yeah, <laughs> an actual show right. and somebody was just making comments about it and mm-hmm. then, you know that, that really struck me do they watch korean media do they watch i don't know you know are they, or is it pretty domestically focused entertainment i only there? saw japanese i only saw japanese and that's again just I thought it was really fun to see that they really embrace the things that they create. And they're very excited mm-hmm. about yeah. <laughs> watching their Japanese animes at night. And I, I grew up watching a lot of these animes just because they were all brought to America and seeing how much the, the whole culture appreciates it and not just not just the young folk like myself. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of neat. <laughs> when is the next time that folks from Sayama are coming here? Did we talk about well, that? Well, it might be a couple of years because the next year being the 70th anniversary, we've gotten unofficial word that they plan to invite Worthington's mayor and a mayoral delegation next year. Huh. Um, Sayama actually has a couple of different sister cities. We're one of three. They also have one in Korea and one in in um, China. Um, and then they have a friendship city with another um, Japanese city as well. So so th- when they have these significant anniversaries, they invite the sister cities to come. So we understand that may be coming next year. So it would be sometime after that that we would then welcome a, mm-hmm. a delegation. But I would say that now's the time to get involved in WIFA because these opportunities, you know, if you're you know, you, you hear about them, you get plugged into them, you, and, and even if, you know, we are welcoming a delegation and you don't necessarily can't be a host family, you know, there would be opportunities to come to events and still meet and interact mm-hmm. with the people. Um, and then when opportunities arise like this one, our membership is ones that are, you know, considered very heavily for these opportunities. So um, not to mention the dinners, the programs, all the things that we do just on a general basis year to year here in Worthington. So, and go online and um, there's a way to, to join. It's a very nominal uh, membership fee. Um, and, you know, then you are, are looped in and have the opportunity to get involved in anything that comes, comes along in the future. It sounds like those events are fun. You not only get to see and meet and hear and learn new things, you get to eat things. Don't you? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And we will be having this um, dinner coming up in February, February 2nd. We're uh-huh. um, partnering with the Filipino American Society of Central Ohio. Um, so it will be featuring um, food and culture from the Philippines. And um, so we're really excited about that and bringing that opportunity to people. Oh, that does sound fun. Did you bring back a lot of tea? Did you bring back a lot of souvenirs? Some did, right? I think some brought... I didn't bring as much, but... Mm. I got a lot of candy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I plan on going back, so... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go back as a tourist and just take, enjoy take it. with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
So that's our chat about Sayama. I hope you learned something new like I did. I definitely intend to check out a few Weefa events this year. If you're interested in getting involved or learning more about Sayama, check out the link on our worthingtonstories.com website or just go straight to worthington.org backslash Weefa. You can go on over to City Hall to see some of the gifts from Sayama over the years. And if you're listening to this in January of 2024, you should plan on going to WIFA's International Celebration Dinner featuring Filipino culture this event and cuisine on February 2nd at the Worthington Presbyterian Church. Make sure you make your reservation and be there with your bib on at 6 p.m. As an aside, most people have probably heard by now that Marysville is to be the site of a huge Honda EV battery plant. Honda is actually closing its Sayama plant in the next years. Unfortunately though, as it retools its worldwide operations to make electric vehicles. But no one thinks that Sayama's relationship with Worthington will change. There was also recently an earthquake in Japan, but we've heard from uh, Nikki and from Anne that as far as we know, no Sayamans were negatively affected. Anyway, I think that's about it for this episode. I would like to thank Ann Brown and Nikki Roby and Ty Niesthaus and Anton Teufel for helping out with this episode. Thanks as always to the City of Worthington and the Community Relations Commission for their seed grant to help get this podcast started and to Eric Nesda for his extremely generous permission to use his tune North of 50 as the soundtrack to this podcast. You really need to check out his work at Nesda, that's G-N-E-Z-D-A, Nesda.com. You can find more of this podcast, including links to extra in-depth information about this and previous episodes at WorthingtonStories.com and on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Subscribe, let me know what you think of our website, check me out on Facebook and Instagram, and I hope to catch you soon again on Worthington Stories.